You guys doing good? Awesome. I, uh, well, I'll get to those in a second, but that new song, anybody like that new song? The last one? It's called Echo, parentheses, in Jesus' name, close parentheses. Okay, if you need to search for it. But I, uh, that bridge of the song, and then we're going to start off the sermon with pro- probably crying, but <laughs> the bridge of the song is so powerful. God, we echo your victory. God, we echo your authority. And the word echo is used as a verb in that lyric, which means to be repeated or to reverberate. Every single child of God is repeating the victory of Jesus. It's reverberating over and over and over. His authority is reverberating over and over and over. And as we sing that, it just keeps going and going and going. You know what I mean? So there's power. There's so much power in that song, but specifically in those lyrics. And I just just wanted to sit a moment on those lyrics, if that's cool with you, uh, and just let you just let you think about it because those are powerful lyrics. Uh, so Luke is born, right? Luke is born. Luke is born. So I wanted to kick off this message in honor of Lawrence, who is a dad now, right? With some dad jokes. You guys ready? Okay. Number one out of 50. No, I'm kidding. RIP, boiling water. You will be missed. There it is. I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. Yeah, those, yeah. That's what I'm looking for is that noise right there. I lost 25% of my roof last night. Oof. I think that needs to sit a little bit. One more, one more. My dog is a genius. I asked him, what's two minus two? He said nothing. Okay, I should have saved the third one for the last one. That's my fault. That's my fault. Okay, so it was over Christmas break, and my family and I were driving home from Tennessee. Um, We've got four kids. They're not little kids, but they're still, you know, kids, but we were driving. We got 20 minutes until we get home. If anyone's been on a long road trip and you know that last stretch, 20 minutes, you're like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. But we get to the, where we're about to turn on the toll road to get home. And uh, I can see the exit sign. I'm driving. I'm happy. I've been driving all day, but I'm happy because we got 20 minutes till we get home. And I hear from the back of the the car, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, no, no, can you wait 20 minutes? And so as we are trying to figure out, do we pull off, do we not pull off? Here's the exit, oh, there it goes. Okay, we're gonna pull off. So we pull off and the kids go to the bathroom. And uh, we get back on the road. And so I'm like, I'm going to get back to the toll road because that's the fastest way that I can get home because that's my goal. I wanna get home. 
okay? And so I, I, I get back on the access road of I-35 headed towards the toll road. And I, the GPS is on so I can know when can I be home? When can I expect to be home? And it tells me to turn on this back road. I don't know. And I'm like, the toll road's right there. It is literally right there. And you want me to turn right here? I was like, okay, fine. I'll just turn it. I'll turn on this road. And the roads get scarier and the roads get darker. And I'm like, where are you taking me? I don't have time for this. I need to get home. It's been a long day. I'm ready to get home. And so it continues to take me on these scary, dark roads until I get on this one road where I'm driving and parallel to me is the toll road, okay? But when I look over at the toll road, I see a bunch of red brake lights, right? And so in that moment, I'm like, oh, I, I see what happens. You helped me like bypass that and get past it so that I could keep going and get to my, my home in 20 minutes. And it kind of reminds me of one of those connect the dots pictures. Y'all seen those before and never done them? Anyone done like a really complicated one with like a thousand of them? Nope, I don't have the patience for it. Well, you, they're all numbered for you, right? You start with one and you move to two. And as you draw the lines, you begin to see the picture. But you don't see the picture until you draw the lines. And every turn that I took, that the GPS was leading me through these dark roads, it was a dot and then another dot and another dot. And then in the moment, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Why are you taking me down these roads? But then I saw the bigger picture as I was driving parallel to the toll road, right? And this morning, I don't want to remind us that the dots were designed by someone who had a bigger picture in mind. Those little dots that you have to follow and it gets monotonous and you're like, okay, here's one, and here, wait, no, two's not over here. This is 35, that's the one that's closest to me, but two's way up here, but I, I could be just going to 35, but no, no, no. You follow the dots because they were designed by somebody who knows what the picture is. And I wanna to talk to you about awakening purpose by connecting the dots this morning. And to help us understand that I want to look at the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth, and God pointed out some things to me. As I was going through this book, it's a, a short book, about four chapters, and it sits right in the middle of Judges and 1 Samuel, where you have the characters like Samuel and, and David, and you get the life of David and all that stuff. But there's this little short book, Ruth, and it's one of those little dots, if you were to look at the Bible as a picture, connect the dots picture, it's a little dot. But it's so important. There's so many things in there that where God is building and developing purpose in our everyday decisions, there's not like a, an epic moment in that story where it's like he parted the seas. You know, it's just everyday living. And I love how he awakened purpose. And I want to show you guys if that's cool. You guys cool? Awesome. God is always building and orchestrating and, and developing purpose in our life. That's, that's the purpose of the Exchange Church, is to awaken and develop purpose. He's doing it every day. And I'm 
and I'm excited to, to let you know that while it would be epic and awesome, if you were one of those people that got swallowed by a whale and, you know, came out on the other side, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know. If you came out more developed in purpose is what I meant. This, this is taking a bad turn. But, connect the dots. Bring it back, bring it back. I do believe that God is awakening purpose in each of you in the very small moments. In the everyday moments. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's subtle to where you don't see it. But I hope at the end of this that you are going to see it. My message, if you have not guessed, is called Connect the Dots. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's so alive. It's so relevant. And we thank you for this moment right here and right now. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our eyes to see, to hear from you. We thank you that you're going to do an amazing work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I could read the book of Ruth to you, but I'm not going to because that would be just terrible. All right, but I will tell the story. Y'all like stories? Okay, cool. So there was this family. We have Naomi, who is the wife. We have Elimelech, who is the husband. And then we have their two sons. All right, so they live in the land of Judah, and they have to move. Anyone had to move before? Had to move, right? Job change, whatever. They had to move because there was a famine in the land of Judah. So they moved to Moab. Moab. And they get settled into Moab. And all of a sudden, Elimelech, the husband, dies. Doesn't say how, but he dies. And it's Naomi and her two sons. And her two sons, they find Moabite wives. And they get married. Everything's great. Ten years later, the two sons die. Now, the, the Moabite wives, their names were Orpah, not Oprah. I look at that every time when I see Oprah, Orpah, and Ruth, okay? These are the two Moabite wives. Ten years later, the two sons die. So Naomi has nobody left, no men in her life left. It's her and her two daughters-in-law. And she's out in the fields of Moab one day, and she hears some conversation about how God is moving again. He's growing crops again in the land of Judah, where they were at, where they came from. And so she's like, we got to go. We have to go back to my homeland. And so they're getting ready to leave. And, and Naomi's like, okay, telling Ruth and Orpah, you guys, you don't actually have to go with me. I, I, there's no really reason for you to go with me. I have no sons. I mean, you've been great to my sons, you've been great to me, but like, there's no reason. Even if I have a son, it's going to be years before you could marry him. So there's no reason for you to stay with me. You should go back to Moab and you should start over, start fresh. That's what I want for you. And they're like, no, we're not going. 
She insisted. And so Orpah, Oprah, Orpah, uh, went ahead and went. But Ruth, she said, you know what? Wherever you go, I'm going to go. I'm sticking with you. And she had a very convincing argument. And so, you know, Naomi's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. So they went back to the land of Judah. And when they got to their home, they said, you know what? We got to find something to eat. So now Ruth is going out into the fields to gather grain. Okay, so they don't have a field of their own. So she's going into other people's fields. And so what she's doing in those days, um, the harvesters would gather grain. And if they dropped some grain on the ground, um, the people that were poor could come and pick that up. And that would, that would be their food. And so she was following the harvesters. Anything they dropped, she would pick up. She was doing this all day. And the landowner came home, and he noticed her. He said, who is that girl? He's talking to his foreman. And, and he said, well, that's, that's Ruth. She came back with Naomi. And uh, so he walks over to her, and he's talking to her. He says, I've heard about your loyalty. I've heard about how you came back with Naomi. And I want you to know that you are welcome here. You can stay here. You can continue to gather grain through the harvest and the next harvest and the next harvest. And so he's very generous. So she goes back home. This guy's name, by the way, is Boaz, okay? The landowner. She goes back home to Naomi. Naomi's like, hey, how was your day? Picking grain. And uh, she's like, it was good. And she's like, well, what, what field did you end up going to? She's like, some guy named Boaz. And uh, she's like, really? Her face probably lit up and was like, wow, that's actually one of our relatives. Boaz is one of our family redeemers. And a family redeemer is somebody who can come in, and if there's nobody left to take it over the land, um, no men, they, they can come in and actually redeem that land, right? So there was, this was the closest relative or one of the closest relatives. His name was Boaz. And so she's like, okay, keep going to Boaz's field. And so throughout the harvest, she's going and going and going and going, working, gathering grain. And at one point, because uh, they were living together, Naomi and Ruth, Naomi's like, okay, we got to find you a permanent home because you, you can't just stay here all your life. You know, I know that you said you want to be with me, uh, you know, and you are for me and with me, but we got to get you a husband. We got to get you a permanent home so you'll be provided for it. She said, I think Boaz has been so kind to you. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to basically take a bath and I want you to put on nice clothes and perfume and I want you to go to him at night at the threshing floor um, and he's going to be lying down and I want you to uncover his feet and lie next to him. This essentially was like, will you marry me? That's what that was, okay? And so she does it. She goes by Boaz. It's in the evening time. She uncovers his feet, and she lays next to him. And in the middle of the night, he wakes up startled, like, who is this? What's going on, right? And she sits up, and she says, me, it's me, your servant, Ruth. And he says, I can now see even more, because he knew what was going on how loyal you are. You're willing to marry, to, to be able to redeem 
this this land and this this family, right? And he says, I, I want to marry you and I want to do that, but here's the thing. There's another family redeemer who's closer to me that we have to consult first. We have to see if they would like to be the family redeemer. And so they they make this plan to uh, wake up the next morning and Boaz is going to go talk to the other family redeemer. And when he talks to him, he explains the situation. The other family redeemer is like, you know what? I'm in. He's like, hold on. Uh, it's not just the land. You would have to marry Ruth as well. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So that was off the table. Okay. We're getting close to the end of the story where now Ruth and Boaz are able to get married and they have a son named Obed. Okay. Obed. And that's where the story ends. Isn't that a beautiful story? Like I said, it's not something grand, but there's a few things here that I want to pull out on how we can connect the dots to awaken purpose. You guys ready? Okay. All right. So point number one is to listen for the move of God. Ruth 1.6, it says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. I want to let you know that your, your purpose is smack dab in the middle of where God is moving. All right? Or, or where God is moving is that's where you'll find your purpose. Like this, this whole story would not exist if they had not gone back to where God was moving. You understand what I'm saying? Naomi and her family, they moved from the land of Judah because of a famine, which is, uh, you know, there's no food. That's a pretty good reason to move. I would probably move if there was no food. Um, and they thought, this chapter of my life is over. I'm not going back there. Like, it's just, it's dead. Uh, and it seemed like it was over. But as she was in the fields of Moab, she heard that, oh, wait, God is moving again in the land that I thought was dead. He's moving again. And, and over there, in the door that I thought was closed. But how many know that God can open up any door, anytime, anywhere? He can redeem anything, anytime, anywhere. Here's the thing, as I think some of us, and I myself have been in this trap, where we think a door open means yes from God, and a door closed means no from God, right? That's what we think, because we think, okay, there's an opportunity, it must be God. But let me ask you this, what about in the New Testament, when Jesus was preaching in the house, and there was that paralyzed man who was trying to get through the front door, but it was blocked. How did he get healed? He went through the roof. Oof. <laughs> he went through the roof. He found another way. The door was closed. That's what it looked like, right? The door was closed. And if you were to just go off of this logic of the door is closed, so it must be a no from God. God's maybe saying... The door is closed, but I'm going to have you have a little bit of faith to maybe pick the lock of the door or maybe find another way because I want to show you something, not the end result, but the faith that it takes to get to that result. 
Does that make sense? Open and close doors. It's not just a black and white thing. Like, there are some things that we need to really understand of, like, just because a door is closed doesn't mean it can't be opened again. Right? And I notice in, in this part of the story that when Naomi heard that God was moving, it was like, we got to go. There was no hesitation. We have to go. Now, this, this part right here, if you're going to do connect the dots, this is where you find the next dot. I'm on two. I need to find three. Three is where God is moving. Okay, I found three. Where's four? Okay, that's where God is moving, right? And, and sometimes whenever we, we go, doubt will come and kick in. And doubt's a little funny guy, right? He comes in and he says, you know what? I'm going to try and convince you that uncertainty means don't go. But uncertainty is an opportunity for faith. And what moves the heart of God? Faith. Faith moves the heart of God. Michael Hyatt, he says, unsettling as it may be, uncertainty is not the enemy. It points not to chaos, but possibility. Uncertainty points to possibility. I've had to shift my mindset there because uncertainty to me means stop, don't go, don't go, don't go. But, and it may be, this isn't an all-in-one thing, but here's like another way to look at it. You know what I'm saying? We listen for the move of God, we go in faith, and then we move the heart of God with our faith. So we listen for the move of God, and point number two is we find your where you go, I will go people. Find your where you go, I will go people. This is found in Ruth 1, 16 through 18. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, she keeps going. Like I thought that was pretty convincing the first few sentences, but she's like, nope, let's keep going. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. And you think, okay, I get it. You can come with me. Nope, here she goes again. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And then when Naomi saw this, she was determined to go with her, so she said nothing more. Naomi wanted Ruth to go back to Moab to start fresh, right? Like there's, there was no hope. Naomi saw no hope where she was going and to go with her. And so Ruth didn't look at the circumstance of what was happening. She said, you know what? I know that with you, there may not be a husband or whatever, but I I am with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm going to be there. Every great story and every movie that you watch, there's like a pattern here. Where there's a hero, of course there's a hero, but there's also guides that help the hero, okay? A guide in a story is somebody who helps the hero fulfill their destiny, accomplish the goal, whatever it is, right? There's always the good guy, bad guy stuff, but there's guides in every story. Have, have you guys seen Toy Story? I'm sure you have. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, these are all Pixar movies. Just to let you know. Love Pixar. Toy Story. We have Woody, who is the hero. 
excuse me, Woody, yes. And then, do you know who the guide is? There you go, Buzz. There's actually a lot of a lot of guides in that one, but the main guide would be Buzz. Has anyone seen Up? Up, such a good movie. All right, we have Hero, Hero. We have Carl, the hero. <laughs> we have Hero, the Carl. Uh, and then we have the guides. Who are the guides and Up? Doug and who else? Huh? Russell, yes. Russell, the Boy Scout, another guide. If you notice in these stories, the story doesn't happen without the guides. Carl couldn't get to Paradise Falls without Russell, without the Doug. I mean, the oh my gosh, without the dog, Doug. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, 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 okay. This is appropriate. Okay, Luca. Has anyone seen Luca? That's a very good movie. You haven't seen Luca? All right, you got to go see it. Uh, Luca is the hero. Who are the guides? Y'all know who they are, but Julia and Alberto. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So those are the guides. Star Wars. I'm going to bring it back a little bit. Star Wars. Who's the hero? Luke Skywalker. Exactly. Who are the guides? There we go. Yes. There is no Luke Skywalker, Skywalker defeating the evil without the guides. God has written an amazing story for your life. But in order to live it out, you have to find your guides. Guides will remind us of the song that God put in our hearts when we've forgotten the words. Tony Stoltzfus says, fulfilling your destiny is only possible in community. Purpose is always an us thing. It's never an I thing. It's actually in the word, purpose. Purpose. And it's crucial to remember that anything that God has designed is a target for the enemy to destroy. Can I take a sip of water real quick? Is that cool? So, anything that God has designed isn't as a target for the enemy to destroy. In the very beginning, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. We are meant to do purpose and to be able to fulfill our purpose together, right? It kind of makes me think of uh, technology. Technology plays a, an important role in today, right? Uh, and I love technology. I love it. But... It's funny when you consider things like social media, which is the whole goal of social media, was to be a connection platform where you can connect with other people, right? But we've never been more disconnected. When we have access to everybody, we feel alone. I mean, technology is so advanced that you could live your life without actually leaving your home. You could see your people with FaceTime. You can buy your groceries and have them delivered. You can go to the doctor on Teladoc. Technology 
makes it to where it's easy and convenient, which is great. Like I said, I love technology, but there's one thing that we could be missing, and that is technology can promote isolation. And isolation, that's the breeding ground for where Satan comes in and he starts to feed you lies because there's nobody there to say that's not true. That's not true. When you're alone, it's easy for him to come in and tell you those lies. So we have to find our people, not only find them, but spend time with them in person. You know what's amazing is that we find our guides, but we also get to be guides for other people and their stories. So we listen for the move of God. We find your where you go, I will go, people. And then the last line, the last point, I read the word line. The last point is draw the lines. We're talking about connect the dots. Draw the lines. This is in Ruth 3, 1 through 4. It says, one day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, dress in your nicest clothes, and then go to the threshing floor where he's going to be at. But don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. And be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. And he will tell you what to do. Naomi and Ruth, they created this plan, right? It was a plan. It was a well-thought-out plan. It wasn't just like, hey, will you marry me? Like, it was a well-thought-out plan. And, uh, and Naomi, or Ruth, prepared for it. And how many know that our preparation reveals our expectation, right? We say that a lot here at the Exchange Church. Our preparation reveals our expectation. But still, all of this was just a plan. She had to actually follow through with it to see the result and connect the dots. I can look at number two all day long, but if I don't start drawing the lines, I'm not going to see the picture. I have to draw the lines. And what's, what's cool is as you draw the line, you begin to see where the next line is. I'm not really looking for three when I'm on one. I'm looking for two. Where's two? Okay, here's two. Now, I'm not looking for five. I'm looking for three. Here's three. I'm not looking for seven. I'm looking for four. Oh, here's four. It's going down, but I'm going to follow it anyways. I'm not looking for eight. I'm looking for five. When you draw the line, it helps you to know where the next dot is. We draw the lines, and God loves it. He loves it when we draw the lines. He's all about partnership. He has been from the beginning, partnering with humankind to make beautiful things, right? God cannot water a seed we've not planted. He can't show us the picture unless we draw the lines. Larry Randolph says, God will fulfill all of his promises, but he is not obligated to fulfill our potential. That one gets me. 
It's on us. God designs the picture and we draw the lines. I'd like to end here and close with what I think is probably the best text in this book, in the book of Ruth. Y'all want to hear it? It's awesome. Ruth, 4, 18 through 22. This is the genealogical record. As soon as I said that, y'all be like, uh, nope, nope. When I read these sometimes, I'm like, what? I don't get it. Okay, this is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Y'all follow me here. Even if you can't, still stay with me, okay? Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Now we're getting into this story. See that? Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse. I'm getting chills. Jesse was the father of David. And you may be asking me, why the heck did you just read that? Because David is the ancestor of Jesus. That family line was restored because Ruth and Boaz had Obed, who had Jesse, who had David. You see that? You see how the dots are connecting? See how purpose is being awakened in generations? And it's still happening right now. And it's amazing that Luke is born. A purpose is being awakened right now. It was being awakened a long time ago in that boy. I want to zoom out and kind of help us see a few things uh, real quick. Knowing the line here, okay, how it leads to David. So Ruth would have never gotten married to Naomi's son if they hadn't moved to Moab. 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 Uh, they they moved because of a famine, right? Something horrible happened. And they had to make a decision to move. But I want to tell you that God can use the famines in your life for your favor. He works all things for your good. Ruth would have never met Boaz if she hadn't decided to pick up the grain in the field. When I started this, this sermon, I told you, there's purpose in the everyday moments, in the small picking up grain moments. This is where she met Boaz. She decided to pick grain in a field. And I want to encourage you today that to not underestimate the picking up grain moments in your life. The monotony, what seems to be monotonous, God is stirring purpose in your life. You keep going. You keep picking up that grain. Keep going. 
Ruth and Boaz would have never gotten married if Ruth hadn't put herself out there and laid at his feet on the threshing floor. Women were not supposed to be there around that time. And it wasn't Boaz asking Ruth. It was Ruth asking Boaz. You may be waiting on God to make the move, and God says, I've already drawn the picture. I need you to draw the lines. I've actually drawn several pictures for you. For I have plans. Not a plan. Plans. And then Ruth and Boaz wouldn't have gotten married uh, and had Obed. This whole thing would have not happened if there was one little tweak. Y'all know the little, what's the, there's the show, Loki and the timeline thing. I haven't watched all of it, but there's all these different timelines and one little tweak can like take you a whole different direction. And this would have happened if the other family redeemer said, yes, I'll marry Ruth. I'll take the land. I'll be the family redeemer. But he didn't. Even when there seems to be an obstacle to seeing the promise fulfilled, you can be confident that God has destined. What God has destined cannot be destroyed. There's a, a poem from Hosanna Wong. And when I read it first, it got me. Uh, and I think it fits perfect. And I want to close with this. Keep being faithful without an applause. Keep being faithful without everyone being for you. Without everyone understanding what you've been called to. Keep being faithful without knowing how God will make a way. Without knowing what the results will be on the other side of your yes. God sees, God knows, God provides. His ways are better, his thoughts are higher. He sees the greater picture because he made it. He sees it because he made the picture. There are multiple pictures waiting for each of you. Chris, there's a picture that God has designed and he's waiting for you to draw the lines. When you first look at a connect the dots thing, you look at it, and if it's one of those complicated ones, you have no idea. Some of the other ones that are easier to see, they even put a little nose in there or whatever. It's like, okay, I see it. But a lot of the times, we have no idea what's happening, right? We have no idea what we're looking at when we see all the tiny dots. What we need to do is just simply connect the dots to see that, that picture revealed, to see the purpose, we connect the dots. I'm not sure where you're at today. You may be listening for the move of God. You've seen the picture, and you're like, I can't make sense of it, but I need to find dot number two. God, help me. Help me, to, help me to see where that is. Maybe you're listening for the move of God, or maybe you need to find your guides, your people. Or maybe you are waiting to, for God to move, and he's like, nope, I've already, drawn, I've already drawn it. 
You just need to go from one to two, two to three. You just need to draw the lines. Are you willing to draw the lines, even if it's hard? Are you willing to draw the lines, even if it doesn't make sense? I think God spoke to me because I mentioned earlier that he has plans for us. And uh, it's not just a single plan. Sometimes I get fixated on, you know, it's just, there's, there's one, there's one thing, there's one purpose. But the reality is, once you complete a picture, there's another one waiting for you. And God wants you to fulfill your potential. All of it, all of the pictures that he's designed for you. If you guys will close your eyes. Jesus. If you're sitting here today and and you are something's bubbling up inside of you that it's time to connect the dots. Maybe in, in one of these three phases of finding people or drawing the lines or just listening for the move of God. If you're ready to see, actually see, you've been imagining the things that God wants to do in your life, but you actually want to see it fulfilled. If you're ready to see it fulfilled, I want to pray for you. If you are ready to see the picture that God has designed, if you just lift up your hand for me. Online, if you're there and you're ready to see that picture, you can just type something in the comments. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. It's been too long. I've waited and waited and waited and waited. And and maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because of the uncertainty. But remember, uncertainty is an opportunity for faith, for you to know God more. He'll be with you. He's going to guide you. He is one of your guides, by the way. Holy Spirit is right there. Every single dot. He is with you you. For every hand that's raised online and in this room, I first, I speak life over them. Lord, any fear and, and uh, just this mindset of if there's uncertainty, I should not do it, that needs to go in Jesus' name. Lord, let, let there be faith that rises up right now in their spirit, and in their heart, and their mind. Let it be so to the point where it's boiling over and the water is spilling over, the faith is spilling over, that they cannot help it. They can't not go. They have to go to dot number two. They have to go to dot number three because they want to see, and they want to see the picture that you designed for them. Lord, I thank you that uncertainty, that is being turned into opportunity for faith. And I thank you, Lord, that every step of the way that you're going to be with them, that you're going to show them the people they need to to be in contact with. Lord, that'll be their guides. And Lord, you're going to highlight people to them who you, they can be a guide for. 
I thank you from this moment forward that there is going to be purpose in the everyday and the small moments that they would see that and they would begin to see as they connect the dots, they're going to see the picture. Connect the dots and see the picture. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. All right, you guys good? Okay, if you can stand up for me. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to take both hands and just stretch. Perfect. Don't hit your neighbor. I am so grateful for you guys for being here. I know that um, God, every, every Sunday is an opportunity for God to speak to us. And there's something personal, right? I don't know if you've noticed that, but every Sunday is an opportunity. Um, specifically in, in the corporate realm, where we are actually together. And that's the beauty of it. So, you know what? I want you to take what you have received in here and go take it out there. Okay? You guys have an amazing week, and we'll see you next week.